0: fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever and with fishing booker you can experience it too no matter where you are discover your next adventure on fishing booker hey
1: everybody welcome back to another episode of the journey within podcast i have a special guest on today sean skipper from lewipold i was actually in camp with sean uh, man, would have been over a year ago now in Oregon, um, shared a, uh, I was there for a Columbia whitetail and some guys were there for black tail. Um, so that's where I met Sean and kind of stayed in touch ever since. How are you doing today, Sean? Pretty good, Mark.
2: Pretty good. Uh, thank you for having me on. And yeah, you're not, you're not kidding. It is, uh, it has been a quick year that, that does not feel like it was that
1: long. Yeah, it, it has, has not it? That's just, I guess when you're busy, it's good.
2: Yeah. You know you're busy, and uh, in our case, usually out in the woods, uh, it's, it's hard to complain too too much.
1: That's that is uh, a very true statement. I actually just got back from Kentucky, finished up their uh, late muzzleloader season this past weekend, and and opened up a new quail lodge we have there. That's the the last trip for me this year, and then I've got man three and a half weeks off and head to Mexico in January. So it's tough to beat that one too.
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah, you're uh, you're going to be a little bit busy and then uh then you get right back from that and it's it's time for all of us to go hang out and break bread at some trade shows. It just it doesn't really ever seem to stop.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So Sean for anybody that's listening that doesn't know, how how long ago have you joined Loophold and what's your role there?
2: So I've been at Loophold for a little over 6 years now and my official title is industry relations manager, which is a real fancy way of saying uh, public relations or the the guy that's down on the road. Kind of seeing the praises and telling the story of our, our fifth generation family-owned company. Uh, prior to that, I did about six years with the National Rifle Association, working with uh, American Hunter, one of the membership magazines. So I was a magazine editor, and writer. So I've I've been around a little while now, twelve years in our industry. Of course, is uh, is nothing. I think that still makes me a toddler <laughs> compared to uh, some of the folks we get to work with. But it's it's been a pretty good run. I uh, I've been around just long enough now to tell stories that start with back in the day. So we're we're, we're creeping up on it. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a really neat experience. And one of the things I do in my role with Loopold is, of course, uh, you know, take some some special guests, whether they are writers, content creators, things like that, out on the road. And that's actually how, of course, I originally discovered before we even started working with you guys, uh, WTA.
1: Yeah. Well, I would consider uh, industry relations manager. You're the fun guy, right? Like that's what the that's what the the cliff note version of your title is.
2: Oh yeah, that's yeah. you know. Externally, I am I am the fun guy. Of yeah. course, uh, everyone does have some work that they've got to accomplish, but yeah, nobody wants to hear about that, and I don't even like talking about it that much. Yeah. So I, uh, I I get that done, and then I, I tell the stories of the fun part.
1: No, exactly. One of the one of the things I like with all the guests that I have on my show because it's we get a ton of comments on it because a lot of followers follow me that how do how do you get into the hunting industry? And I try to say the hunting industry is so vague, right? So big. That could be anywhere from everybody sees me on, on TV or on social media, anywhere from that person to a guide, to an outfitter, to a cook, to people that work in the industry it's just like you at, at an optics company, uh, gun manufacturing. There's so, so many things that you can do in the outdoor industry. I was like, how, how did you get into specifically the outdoor industry to start at the NRA? What's, what's your schooling background? Is it something that you knew you wanted to do from an early age?
2: You know, I, I knew I wanted to be, uh, you know, a marketer or a journalist and, and kind of pursue that route, but I didn't really know I wanted to be in the outdoor industry. Now, I grew up uh, Eastern Shore, Maryland in Delaware, uh, Chesapeake Bay Boy, grew up hunting and fishing, uh, a lot of ducks and deer out in that part of the world, obviously. And, you know, that was it was just a hobby that you know, I learned from my father and kind of grew up doing and, and pursuing. Went to school, uh, got a journalism degree at a college in New Jersey, Seton Hall University, Got out of school right around the time of the kind of 2009 recession. Had to go home. weren't a lot of jobs. Found something local that kind of paid the bills for a year and a half until a buddy of mine called and said, hey, why don't you move to D.C. where he had just moved? Well, uh, we'll try to find you a job over here. The recession was ending. D.C. was kind of a booming area at the time for 20-somethings. Made the jump started looking for job openings uh found one at the nra in the publications division and it was kind of like a, a light came more. i never really thought about taking that hobby and that passion i'd grown up with hunting and shooting and making it making it a career but all of a sudden it kind of i kind of realized like well i'm a writer you know somebody needs to tell these stories and i think i'd be pretty good at that so i applied got the job and it, it just kind of worked out and uh, met some really cool people did some really cool things and a few years later once i garnered some experience and was kind of ready to get off the East Coast and see more of the Great Big World, see more of the West. Uh, the opportunity presented itself at Loophole, and I have just not looked back.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Seton Hall is a great college, by the way. Oh, I wish the basketball
2: team were having a better year, but everyone's got to be rebuild every now and
1: then. Exactly. Well, it seems like they may have been on the rebuild for a while now. But anyway, anyway, they were Some very. Late eighties, I would say. Yeah, they were very good. <laughs> they were very. I remember being good when I was in high school. So that's been a, that's been a minute now. But yeah, no, I like Seton Hall. So I completely understand the move out of DC too. It's probably a great city to live in while you're younger. And then you hit that point where you're like, "Yeah, it's probably a little bit too busy. It's time for me to, to move. And you landed at what I consider one of the marquee companies in the outdoor industry um, to say rich in history is an understatement of what Leopold has been around and, and done in the industry over the years.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it it wows me every day to walk into the building and, and no, I'm working at a company that's been in the industry and been owned by the same family since 1907. That is, uh, that is just—it's kind of awe-inspiring to, to to know that and to to deal with that every day, especially when you know you're, you're meeting family members that work in the building and you know board members and shareholders that are just coming by to check in. And who take fantastic care of the employees and treat us all like family. It is—it is a very uh, just you know amazing spot to be.
1: What I found um, the most impressive is that you've been around for so long. But you're continuing to grow, come out with great products, um, kind of push the limit on products as well, which is, is part of your growth that's continuing. And it, that's tough to do for a company that's been around that long, right? Like it, it's, it's extremely tough because a lot of companies hit their, hit their ceiling and it seems like you guys are, are still just running and, and creating all these new products along with your traditional great products and, and just keep pushing the limit on everything.
2: Oh, absolutely, and I mean, you can you can dig into the statistics online. You know, when, when companies start hitting th- second, third, fourth generation of a of family ownership, mm-hmm. the likelihood that they're going to fail skyrockets, right? Yep. That, that is just statistically proven over the years. And with loophold, with every generation, we we get even stronger, and that and that all comes down to excellent leadership from the family members, from the people they put in charge of the company, and, and it is just it is just trickled down. And yeah, we we are absolutely rolling. We uh, you know as we record this, we're heading. We're about a month out from Shot Show, and we've got some fantastic new products. We are excited to bring to the table some really innovative stuff that we don't think the industry's seen before. Uh, you'll get you'll get a chance to see them here shortly as well. And it is just full steam ahead.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, let's talk the fun stuff now. Um, we got to talk this grizzly hunt. Three grizzlies in three days.
2: Yeah, I, I'm told that's pretty good. Yeah, that's that's that's, what that,
1: I'm told. That, that's, uh, that's pretty darn good. Yes, yes, that's an understatement. <laughs> So,
2: you know, for several years now, I've been looking to get a, a grizzly hunt together for a kind of a content creation hunt. We did some filming. Um, it'll actually air here in the next couple of months, on we'll outdoor channel, things like that. And, you know, it, it, but it took time because, well, I was told what I was asking for wasn't doable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we when we do these trips kind of for work, we, we like to hunt together, we like to stay together. And traditionally with guided grizzly hunts, that's not really the MO. They're gonna, yep. they're gonna one-on-one you somewhere, as you know. Yep. You know, give you a lot of ground to cover, a lot of potential bears to get into, but it's you, your guide, maybe a camera guy. That's that's usually how they want to run it. So when I would tell folks, look, I need three people essentially staying in the same tent or set of tents all hunting together. I got I got either laughed at or told it's going to be thirty five thousand dollars a person. Yep. Yep. You know, some, some obscene number. And uh, I just kind of kept with it. And uh, I had a lot of meetings myself at trade shows, bouncing around, you know, SCI, DSC, uh, Great American Outdoor, talking to folks. And finally, uh, like I said, this was before, loophole was actually working with, with WTA in any kind of capacity. I, I ran into Jason Berger at uh, the SCI show in Reno and uh, got a chance to meet Jason. So that was years ago. We we started the conversation. And I, I wound up working with WTA to, to book some on several occasions since it was kind of in between the first meeting and finally getting this race hunt together we we were working with jason and, and the team over with you guys for a while and uh finally almost kind of out of the blue i got an email oh maybe a year and a half ago and he was like i've got the hunt for you I've got it i found it that's okay and he, he ran me through the details and it was everything i wanted it was it was three guys the same camp a camera guy uh, everyone everyone something together a price that i was going to be able to make work uh-huh. And it was, it was in Alaska, you know, and we weren't we were going to have to go over to the Yukon or anything like that. And I said, okay, I said, let's, let's pull the trigger. And then that started a year and a half of prep. That was, it was pretty wild for everybody involved as we were just, you know, a lot of excitement, a lot of feeling good about it. And then, then we get up to Casa View, Alaska and, and get into the back, ultimately got into the back country in that Arctic circle. And it, it got real fast. And, I mean, I know you've killed bear, oh, big yeah. bears. You know, like it was, it was something else.
1: No, that's awesome. So what kind of like, prep for a trip like this did you do both for
2: equipment wise um and then training wise well you know the, the first thing i did is i bought everybody that was going a uh, a little hand scale for their bags we had that we had that hard limit um on the uh on the bush planes so the first thing we did was buy that and you know it's like okay weigh what you think you need and then take about 20 pounds off and yep. uh, that, that that became that became a process of kind of paring down you know yes no absolutely no and uh you know, just kind of figuring out what you do and don't need. Uh, one, one of our guys struggled with it the most. I, I joke to this day that he wanted to drive his truck to because <laughs> He's just one of those guys that likes to hunt out of his truck. He doesn't have his truck. He was lost.
1: <laughs> that's funny.
2: Um, but but after a while, we were able to kind of knock it down, right? You know, you, you got to think of the the base. you got to think of what is imperative, and that's mostly your firearm, your ammunition, knives, lights, first aid stuff. It was, you know, we're not, look, it's like we were up there with guides. We're not totally DIYing it don't have to worry about accounting for the food in the way it's like let's let's start kind of knocking off some of this stuff that is just nice to have but yep. not require yep and that, you know that that required laying out all my gear on the on the uh living room floor a few times and kind of playing sorry honey you got to stay home but uh we, we we got there and then then for training it was there's it was a lot of a lot of just stomping uphill while well, i know the the tundra is more flat you know flat ish with that tussocks so there's a. Yeah. Uh, Still, nothing better than hiking uphill for just getting used to walking. I, I wish there were a way to train to walk in the tussocks, but I don't. I don't even think the CrossFitters would want to do that for a uh, for fun.
1: No, that just it works different muscles that nobody's prepared for.
2: Yeah, you know when you're when you're when you're wa- either walking on basketballs or in holes, it uh, it slows you down and it's going to leave you sore. You just kind of got to deal with that. Um, I don't know how the, I don't know how the critters up there stop around and so often.
1: Oh, and they can move so quick too. That's the amazing thing is just how quick they can move across that.
2: Yeah. But uh everyone everyone put in a lot of time and like I said, checking gear, you know, checking ourselves. And when we when we got up there, we were we were uh, fired up and ready to go. And then again, as you know, with a lot of as with a lot of grizzly hunts, uh it was a lot more sitting in glass, in which yep. we were very equipped to do. But we were warned by Brad or Outfitter that uh you know it's grizzly hunting is boring until it's not, and we found that to be very true. Yeah, that is very true.
1: So what kind of optics did you bring on this one? So
2: we had, we had a little bit of everything. I, I, uh, I let everyone kind of pick their own kit, but I made sure to diversify so we could kind of cover all bases and keep things underweight. So we had, uh, in terms of binoculars, everybody was running the, the BX4 range HDs, the, the range Finding binocular we, we rolled out this past year. Real, real nice kit. Um, you know, you're going to get out to 2,600 yards on reflective targets, 11 to 1,200 yards on soft targets, so bears, things like that. Mm. Um, kind of, you know, keeps everything simple, doesn't have that extra, you don't have that extra range finder hanging off your, your front, maybe go missing while you're up there, just everything all in one setup. Uh, I, I had some of my 15 power BX5 Santee MHD uh, binoculars, just just real great for kind of picking through that tussocks and finding bears or determining if a bear was was kind of of the, the size and build we were looking for. Uh, we, we did have one spotting scope with us, we wound up not using it. Uh, very, very much. I think the, the number one thing it was used for was filming through with a phone scope. Um, you know, just because a lot of these encounters wound up being closer than I was uh, initially anticipating, at least when we'd see these bears inside 500 yards when they first popped up. So we already had a pretty good feel for them. Uh-huh. And, and then uh, everyone, I put the VX5HD uh, 3 to 15s on everyone's rifles. Gave them all the magnification they need. If we had to reach out, you can still dial down to three power, which which worked for a lot of the the closer shots and just you know the best glass in the industry on the on the VX Five HDs, crystal clear, you know edge to edge clarity, fantastic in low light, and obviously Alaska in the fall, it's always low light because if it's not raining, then it's incredibly gray. Reminded me a lot of Oregon, Mm -hmm. so you know just just fantastic performance. That we had the CDS system, the custom dial system on the scopes. I don't think anyone wound up using it. Being grizzly bears, we were trying to get as close as we could. I think my shot was the furthest at 120 yards, so not not really necessary, but it was good to have in the in in a pinch if we needed it. And yeah, we we were about as as candid out as you could be.
1: That's what it sounds like. I've been using those range finding binos all year and just absolutely love them. Like it, I mean, you you hit the nail on the head, right? One because it's great glass, but it takes the need away from having a range finder and your binos together. So you just got one right in front of you. And I find myself when I hunt different terrains. Like, hunting the woods here in Michigan, I got a very good idea. If I look instantly from all my experience, I can tell you that's 180 yards, or that's 300 yards or 400 yards. But then I get out west or down south somewhere, and you're you're like, how far is that? Like, I bet that's 200 yards, and you range it, and it's 600 yards. So I just find Mm -hmm. when I'm in the field, I constantly am ranging things just to help my brain calculate, like, if I got to go quick, how far something is, and, and just having it right at my chest
2: is so nice. Oh yeah, and you know, yeah, folks folks don't even realize that until they've seen a lot of different terrain, right? Yep. Especially looking uphill, you're like, oh, that looks like it's a half hour walking. You walk a half hour and you actually don't feel like you've gained any ground. Yeah, exactly. Because it was on it was a heck of a lot further than than you were anticipating. And you know, what, one of the other great things with the the VX4 ranges, and like I said, we didn't need to use the feature. Um, uh, but if you, you're in big open country doing some longer shooting, whether it's it's on a critter or on some steel, so we have the TBRW system in there and What that lets you do is you go in and using the the manual which i hope everyone hangs on to for at least a few minutes before they pitch it uh you you can go in and select a load group that is the closest to what you are shooting so let's say you're shooting a you know 150 grain 270 you're able to go through and select that and then the uh the program where it'll feed you when you range something is your actual first your actual shoot to distance so you know it's going to take the angle and all that into account and then you know based on how you want it to to, to work for you it'll actually give you your adjustments so if you've set your scope up for if you're an MOA it'll tell you okay you need to you know your elevation needs to go up 2.1 MOA um, if or two to quarter MOA if, if it's if you're in mills, it could be you know 0.7 mils it's going to tell you you have to come up elevation wise and then if you're using a CDS style you of course just dial to the distance so it is a, it is a neat little system just trying to get you on target with that first shot uh, a lot of guys, I, I think, use our range-funding tech and don't realize it's in there, but it comes standard with with every range we put out, and it's a pretty invaluable little tool.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, so you are up. You got up there, got up to Casabute, got out into the field. It, it, walk us through what the hunt was like.
2: So we get up there, and uh, first night, obviously, we're just getting settled. Uh, we, we've flown, so we need to take some time off in Alaska. And uh, we have dinner, we get unpacked, we got kind of a glass in. we saw a bear, oh, I don't know, half mile away, uh, across the river, kind of walking around, starting to get excited. Um, you know, getting to our tents, it's it's not too bad weather-wise, a little little damp, but, you know, 45, 50 degrees, even, even kind of at the end of the day. It's about 11 o'clock at night when we're finally really winding down just from the excitement and all that, from sitting around all day waiting on our planes, and I'm in my tent, I climb into that sleeping bag and... You know, I've got, uh, my buddy Rafe from Browning. He's the other guy in my tent and our guest Joe and his camera guy are out kind of putzing around, setting up a time-lapse. I'm about 90% out, like getting ready to go, go full sleep. Uh-huh. And I, and I hear, Hey bear, <laughs> and, I, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, nah, oh, wait a <laughs> like, second, What's no. this? Yeah. So then I hear another, Hey bear, And I, I sit up and I'm like, Hey Joe. He goes, yeah. I'm like, what's going on, buddy? He's like, Oh, there's a bear. <laughs> And uh, yeah, while they were out doing a time lapse, some young, young boy was just kind of stomping down the river because we were just off the side of a river. And I think he he was just walking his usual path and he was just as surprised as we were <laughs> that yeah. everyone was, was there. And uh, I was like, well, where is the bear? He goes, ah, oh, it's like 30 yards. And he, he, he battered a few more times and it, it ran off and, Finally, Rafe stirred and he kind of goes, "Hey, what's going on?" I said, "Well, there's a bear right outside the tent." And he goes, "Okay," and he rolls over and goes back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, it's nothing major. All right, I'm gonna go back to sleep. <laughs> yeah, so we, we we knew we were in them pretty good. had a Had a close encounter on uh, on night one. They 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 do their best to calm down after that one. Climbing their tent, uh, crash. Next morning, uh, the the system was pretty simple. We get up, we get. You know, get some coffee in this, get our gear on. And We were going to hike about a half mile, three quarters of a mile to this big, big, tall bluff covering tussocks. We we're going to hike up the bluff and we were going to sit, um, you know, because up there you, you could see just kind of forever. And we were going to try to pick out some bears, either coming to the river or milling around in this big, big berry patch that was uh, kind of off to our west. We we're going to see what we can do. You know, while we're getting set up in the morning, you know, drinking coffee, standing around in long johns, things like that. There were, you know, two different bears walked by inside 200 yards right on the river. I mean, like just – it was a berry day. They were moving pretty good. And they, they'd get kind of downwind of us, get downwind of us, get a scent, and get out of there. But it's like they're moving. It's like we got to hustle. So we, we pulled our stuff on. We got up to the bluff. And, you know, we, we, that first day we must have seen uh, 10, 12 bears, different distances and different sizes, just kind of milling around. Wound up not really being able to make a move day one. Uh, our guys were thinking they wanted to get a lay of the land anyway. They had not hunted this particular spot themselves before, uh-huh. and the wind was swirling real bad. You'd, you'd see a bear get to five hundred yards on us, and he would stand up. It would look around, and it would take off like a bat out of hell, and just start running. So they uh, it was it was not a good day to put a, any kind of stalk on. So we just kind of laid low and, and and got a feel for where we wanted to be on day two. It was a little discouraging, you know, only in the sense that like wow, we're seeing all these bears, and they're all turning tail and and running and we've been told by everybody like once these bears win you they're never coming back okay. so that uh, that got us a little scared at first but you know they got our guides uh we had we had a classic situation that i'm sure you've seen before the old old bull young bull set up
1: oh yeah oh yeah
2: <laughs> we, had our, we had our we had our master guide and we had the kid that was going to do all the heavy lifting.
1: <laughs> exactly
2: <laughs> and uh so they they kind of reined us in they're like don't worry about it we'll uh we'll be good we'll be good but yeah it was a it was a long day of Kind of hanging out, getting a little bit of rain. Not too too bad, not too buggy either. So with Alaska, you got to take those as big wins. But a lot of bears, and you know, we just kind of geared us up for day two, which of course opened up with uh, nobody seeing anything the first six hours. We sat out there just complete dead silence. Yep. And that uh that definitely got us a little little worried. You know, it's like wow, we uh we blew every bear out of here, didn't we? They're all gone. They're all gone. <laughs> there are no more bears. We saw we saw a herd of caribou come through. It's like well, that's not a good sign. We want to see bears. Yeah. Yep. But, and that's when the, and that's when the switch flipped. Right, we got rain going all afternoon. As soon as the rain quit, we went back out there in the evening, and there they were again. It was uh, it was it was. They just needed a break. I don't know. They they didn't like the they didn't like the weather, the pressure, the wind. Uh-huh. Something something changed. And then the second evening, that's that is when the shooting started. And as you said, like you said, three bears in three days, or in this case, three bears in two days. If you roll out, rule out day one. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. And it's crazy. So did you see all your bears at night, or did you see any in the morning?
2: Uh, the first the first day we saw, like I said, a pile of them. It was 10 uh-huh. or 12 bears just kind of scattered throughout the day. So we had everything from first thing in the morning. Um, there's there's video footage of me standing on the bank, holding my coffee, watching a little bear walk by at 100 yards. Just, you know, just wander right past us uh-huh. at 7 o'clock. Um, and then, uh, but a lot of the, the actual shooting wound up happening more in the afternoon hours. Obviously, a lot of sunlight up, you know, a lot of light up there even late i want to say i want to shot my i want to shot my bear was eight nine o'clock uh at night and you know the other guys were right around that same time so it was they were they were moving seemed like they were moving more in that evening period overall it was the first morning was the only time we saw in the morning hours
1: so hard question how did you pick who was shooting first
2: so you know typically it was going to be you know with, with a situation like that it's always going to be our guest right yeah yep Rafe and I brought uh, Joe Farinato from Peterson Sunny up there with us. We're like, you know, Joe, you, you're you're the go-to guy. And then Rafe and I would figure it out. But on that second evening, you know, I said it'd been a quiet day. We're sitting there, all kind of dug in like ticks on the side of our side of our bluff. Uh-huh. Uh, spotting scope up, glad you know, binoculars up. Uh, we had just eaten some mountain house, eating cozy. And you know, this bear walks out, pops out on the the river, five hundred yards away, and it's going to start working its way kind of towards us. And uh, Josh, the younger of the two guys, he was like, there's a bear. We got to go now. He'd, uh, he, he'd gotten his lay of the land. He was happy with it. We had the wind in it on, on this particular evening. So when he saw a bear, he was like, let's go, let's go. And I turned to Joe and if you're ready to guess, you're like, we'll grab your stuff and grab Christian, the camera guy and get on down there, buddy. And He looks right at me and he goes, Skipper, go shoot that bear. I <laughs> so, you sure. He goes, go. Uh, he'd seen a, a bigger, darker bear the day before and he would kind of set his heart on that. So this this bear that was not that bear was out he was like go get it man and i wasn't going to hesitate so grab my rifle my pack um scuttled my spot and scope and all that i said just bring that down later grab christian the camera guy and it's like we gotta go so we're, we're dumping off the side of this bluff you know josh young quick he gets down there fast i just kind of throw myself into a slide to get down after him uh-huh. i heard it i heard an ah and a thump and i thought the buff behind me christian had had kind of fallen he fell his way down the bluff but he got down <laughs> to the bottom. Uh- <laughs> he
1: got down one way or the other yeah,
2: he had to go back up about halfway and get his camera gear because some of it gotten hung up in the trees, but he got down there. <laughs> and uh yeah, then we hit this we only you know, hit the, the bottom of the river there. We're in kind of we got some tall brush around us, got some elevation changes, and we're we're making uh kind of our way to an inter- interception point, trying to get ahead of this bear. We're gonna wait it out, get a shot on it, but it now we're now we're at its level. We have no idea if we're going to be able to catch it because it was moving down this river pretty quick, just kind of right. trolling for salmon. And we're we just hustling not be able to see much. And then finally we just, we pop out of the brush and Josh is like, Oh, there it is. And I'm, he says, there it is. It's 150 yards right across the river from us. Just, you know, like, bam, throw outside. There it is. So we we duck down, we throw ourselves down on these rocks, you know, I'm, I'm kind of crawling along. We're just trying to get to a point where we're, we can shoot and just kind of rolling, like I said, little rolling uh, hills and elevation changes in this, in this riverbed. And we were probably, it was probably about 120 yards when we got eye to eye. We were kind of on the same level eye to eye with this bear, and I threw the rifle over the pack. And it had just gone behind a big thick bush, and Josh said, "When it look, when it comes out and stops, send it." Uh-huh. And you know, I'm just sitting there trying to trying desperately to control my breathing, and we just run down this hill. I'm, I'm incredibly excited. Grizzly bears have always been had always been number one uh-huh. on my bucket list. Trying to calm myself down, you know. See first like the bear's nose start to come out, so I get real dug in. The safety comes off, and it kind of starts coming out, and it's walking, just kind of doing bear stuff. We've got the wind; it's not worried, it's not alerted to us at all. Um, and in my mind, I I took uh, wait for it to stop, to wait for it to slow down even a little bit. <laughs> as soon as it slowed down even a little bit, I went ahead and sent uh, my 300 PRC. That's when we were all shooting. I went ahead and sent that through both shoulders and the lungs. Okay, just hammered it, and uh, you know she took it. It wound up being a big old sow. She took it hard. Uh, turn and try to get out of there. Uh, the shooting got a little western after that. Between excitement, <laughs> and, oh my god, it's a bear! It's running. Right. Just keep shooting. <laughs> yep,
1: exactly. That's, a be- that's the best thing you can do. in that is just because you never know where that first shot hit, and if you can get a second one in it, even when it's running away, that's a great shot because you can send it right up through it.
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. It's, it's just 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 chamber another one and send it. And I will say I hit that bear a couple more times. None of the, none of the follow up shots would have been vital, but fortunately that first one. Was right through everything, and it was 15, 20 yards, and uh, and uh she piled up pretty good. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Yeah, and then, then it was kind of the ultimate adrenaline dump, you know, and you've been up there, and you've done it, so you know. It's just like you, you kind of let out a holler
1: uh-huh.
2: and kind of just, just kind of feel it all dump, and I pulled Josh in for, you know, this young kid who's far younger than me, pulled him in for a big old bear hug, and, you know, Christian, the camera guy, is trying to film it without getting excited himself because he's trying to get this footage, but he wants to jump up and down too because it was it's just awesome to get this bear down and be part of that experience, and it was it was just something else. Yeah. No, it's
1: listen, no, things like that you'll remember until you can't remember anything anymore.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, and we heard uh, when it when it finally piled up and went down, we were probably four four hundred and fifty yards away from where the guys were up in the bluff, and we could hear them cheer. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. They'd been watching the whole thing through their binos and the spotting scope, and you know, and we uh we get over to this bear, and I'm just kind of down on my knees, kind of admiring it. And Josh is all business. He's like, "Look, get, get whatever you need. We're gonna cut it up, and we're gonna run back up there. A bit more bears will come out." And uh, we were we were getting ready to start it on that when we looked up there, and the guys weren't on the bluff anymore. They they had already called it. They're like, "Nope, we got a degreaser grizzly bear. They wanted to come down and see it too." Yep. hunt is over for
1: tonight. Yep.
2: <laughs> we bet. are we are shutting it down. That's awesome.
1: All right, so walk walk us through from that from that night, got it all loaded back up to camp. And then what about Rave?
2: So, you know, that, that night we get loaded up, go back to camp. Uh my bear wound up being the only one where we had to do any kind of uh in our waiting pants serious river crossings. I think at one point it was about waist deep and that wound up working for the better for us because next morning after we uh have a little bit of whiskey and have a good time, um, you know, we next morning we wound up not even hunting until well into the afternoon because it just started pouring buckets just dumping rain on us
1: and you know what i've I've been in alaska under that situation quite a few times that was probably some of the best sleep you had just relaxing in that tent knowing that there was nothing you can do in the rain after having a celebration night the day before That, that that's those are some of the best times i remember actually leupold offers the best optics in the game bar none I personally have their BX4 rangefinding binos and never go to the field without their Pro Guide spotting scope. I've also got Mark V scopes on all my rifles, and don't forget, they've got some pretty awesome eyewear as well. For more information, visit lewipold.com. I travel all over the world and into some of the most remote places known, and for all of my adventure trip insurance, it is a must that I use Global Rescue to take care of me no matter where I am. When you book a trip with Worldwide Trophy Adventures, be sure to ask about Global Rescue Trip Insurance. They will be there when it matters the most. WTA Tags is a full-service licensing program available to today's sportsmen. Bottom line, they help hunters draw the very best limited-entry big-game tags. They offer professional consultation on where to apply and then properly complete and submit your applications to the states tags has the easiest most reliable and most complete service to assist you in drawing that tag of a lifetime for a free tags consultation call 1-800-755-8247 or visit them online at worldwidetrophyadventures.com slash tags that's worldwidetrophyadventures.com slash t-a-g-s
2: oh yeah yeah, just just got comfortable you know, so we'll be, we'll, we'll hunt when we can hunt because, as the guys told us, the bears don't want to go out in that stuff either. Like, it's, they don't, they'd prefer not to be out in it. So, hey, why are we going to go out in it? We got cozy. Uh, you know, we did have, uh, we did have an almost had another hey bear situation. Again, I was getting ready to go to sleep and I hear Josh bust yeah. out of his head uh, yelling, hey bear, hey bear, hey bear. And he had his, and uh, it wound up just being Christian out taking a leak or something. So. <laughs> <laughs> So Christian, poor Christians out there, and he starts spinning around, spinning around with you know still half undressed. What? Where's the bear? Where's the yeah, bear? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we, uh you know, we we got some sleep, and it was probably not until four or five o'clock in the afternoon when Josh kind of said, "All right, I'm gonna, I'm you know the rain's letting up, I'm gonna fire up the little camp stove and make us something to eat, and then we're gonna go up there."
1: Uh-huh.
2: So we some, had some classic spam and cheese, and uh got up to the the bluff again, and. I don't even think we were up there an hour when uh the big darker bear that uh that joe had kind of been coveting popped out literally this the exact same spot of the river where mine had walked out Um uh, became pretty clear there was some sort of bear trail back there that they were using because it walked out in the exact same spot oh wow and uh so it's like joe go ahead and he and christian and josh uh duck down there this time i'm on top of the bluff with with rafe and ben the older guide and, we're, uh, we're watching, and I realized that watching was far worse than hunting them because you're sitting up there stressing out because you can see everything kind of developing. You can see better than a hunter can, and you're like, oh, no, what are you doing? What are you going over there for? Yeah, no, why, go over there. <laughs> why,
1: why are you taking that path? Don't go that way. Yeah,
2: and, but you can't communicate with them. You're just sitting there like just, oh, no. And uh, so got to watch watch the, the whole thing play out, and uh, very similar to what happened with mine, although his bear crossed all the way to, to our side of the river, so he wound up having a, a real close encounter. They're they're in the brush with this thing, trying to trying to find it. They can't see it as well as we can. We can see it's inside hundred yards on them, and it's it's heads down and it's just kind of trudging. And apparently, uh, Josh had told Joe like they dial all the way down, and if, and if it stands up right in front of them, shoot it in the chest. <laughs> Joe, that's when Joe realized they were they what kind of situation they were in. <laughs> okay. Like oh, we might walk right into this grizzly bear in the brush.
1: Great, up close and personal
2: yeah but uh no it wound up breaking out uh kind of getting out of the brush and heading back towards the river so they, they pursued it and got the shot down to about 70 yards and this thing's just steady kind of walking away and josh kind of gave it just a little a little squeak a little predator call and uh you, you saw it. it it stopped and it turned and it was like ooh, it was it was gonna walk right over to him and that's that's when joe went ahead and punched it out too and you know again just a couple shots he hit it Three, four times, just knock these things down. Don't let them. Don't let him get into the brush. Don't let. Definitely don't let them get into the river. Last thing we need to do is chase on a bear carcass down the river. A hope to a- hope to catch you something.
1: Yep, yep. And they're and they're tough. And he, it seems like you'd be able to see them forever, but they can just disappear into that tundra.
2: Oh yeah, and you know, and as as Josh said, he was he was totally fine with us emptying our guns on these things because if, if a wounded one goes into the brush, he's the poor guy that's got to go in after yep. it. Yep, so exactly, exactly. <laughs> he, and he did not want to do that. <laughs> And so he he knocks this bear down and just rolled piles up right there on the rocks. And, you know, we we let out another cheer. And this time it's me, Rafe, and Ben. And we we get on down to this bear and I was amazed. Um, big, big, another, another big old sow, but it was big, big bear, and it was it was dead probably 150 yards from where my carcass was still on the rocks. You could see what was left of my bear still kind of out in the middle of the river where it had keeled over. And here's his bear right here. We're like, wow, they really are just working this exact same spot, the same stretch. So more uh, more kind of hugs and high fives and laughs, and we got the we got some photos, did the did the whole content creation thing. And right around the time I was we were gonna sink our first knife into this bear to start skinning it out. Rafe's kind of standing at my shoulder and he looks up and he goes, There's another bear. And I look up and in that exact same spot, Mark, that the the first two bears should come out. I'm talking precise same spot. Uh-huh. There's another bear. There's a bear standing right there. It had clearly come down the same trail. I don't know how long that trail's been there. Probably a hundred years. Bears must have been using this trail. But all of a sudden, you know, they they were just they were decided that's where they were going to come out. The, path, the old path of least resistance, coming out to that river in the exact same spot to troll for salmon. And here's this bear. Oh. So I look over, I look at Josh and I'm like, should we kill that bear? And Josh was like, yeah. So he <laughs> he and Wraith go running over there. Lights got kind of, lights a little bit lower at this point so they can move pretty good without getting seen and yep as you know these these things don't really use their rely on their eyes very much for for safety anyway all about the nose and we've had the wind and they go they go scrambling across these rocks and we're just it's harder to watch this one because we're all kind of at the same ground level so i just kind of see see them both laying prone i see this dark i see the dark object that's the bear on the other side of the river and they they kept waiting and waiting and we didn't know we didn't know at the time they were they were waiting for the bear to give them a shot but again it was the come on shoot it come on yep, shoot it. exactly like, on. <laughs> and then finally Rafe just unloaded on this thing and he he shot four times hit it all four uh, threw a fourth one in and hit it again and just tore this thing up it was it was spinning around you know do, doing doing the, that that the kind of bite where when they're wounded oh yeah it just kind of eventually spun itself right into the ground he he punched four pretty good holes all, almost all through the vitals and just like that you know this bear piles up on the rocks and there's we kind of had a pause it's just like that and like i said three days we were done we we planned to be up there 10 days and in three it was just over and you know the this thing i was told that was you know supposed to be impossible uh was suddenly very very possible
1: that's awesome but then the real work started is you had two bears down to
2: start skinning oh yeah we had two bears all of a sudden so again hugs high fives. Uh, got some pictures and, and all that. Let Rafe have some time uh, to admire his bear, and then it was it was going to be a, a long night of skinning. You know, we got the message out to Brad, like, hey, uh, figure if if the uh, the wind's good tomorrow and you think you can get in, we'll we'll be ready. We're gonna start in on these bears. Um, like I said, fortunately, these two had died kind of more on our camp side of the river, so we didn't really have to cross water. That was worse than shin deep because. Which was a good thing because that all that rain had just made the river significantly deeper. Like we, I don't think that we could have safely walked out to where my bear's carcass was at that point. Um, So we didn't have to deal with that. That was nice. Got those bears all packed up. Got them back to camp. Pretty pretty late. Um, You know, got dug. You know, had had a little bit. You know, a little bit more celebration time. Oh yeah, and and then it's like, wow, we got to reboot because. Uh Brad said, Yeah, everything looks good for the wind for right now. I'll be there by nine or ten o'clock tomorrow morning for the the first pickup because we were we were getting out of camp. Um obviously in Alaska. If you the day you can get in or the day you can get out, you always take that opportunity because you might not get one again for a week.
1: Exactly. You never know when it's gonna open up again. Hundred yeah, percent correct so, call. Yeah, so
2: we had to we had to get packed up and, and get out of there. And it was funny, we had one more uh not necessarily a hay bear situation, but one more good one that night. Um it started raining again that night and I'm asleep in my tent and Rafe had gotten up and he just, you know, he had to relieve himself. And I guess he was determined not to get wet. And he, rather than just go throw a jacket on and go out there and accept that it's Alaska and he's going to get rained on a little bit. He he tried to pull his waiting pants back on and like the whole, get up, <laughs> all, all without turning the light on. And all he managed to do was stumble and fall over on his own cot. So there's like this crash bang and I jump up. and I'm like, bear, 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 bear. <laughs> <laughs> the instant there's a bear here. There's a bear here. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, nope, nope, it's just me. <laughs> just me. Uh but we got we got all packed up. Uh next morning started shuttling us out. Ray first, uh, then me, then Joe. Uh Christian was gonna have to wait one more day. And in typical Alaska fashion, he and the guys wound up waiting uh, about three more days because once they got the once they got Joe out, Storm got in and you know, those boys just kinda had to enjoy the enjoy the bush a little while. It's just more spam and cheese, I'm sure.
1: Yep, and that's one of those things where you you hit the nail on the head, right? If you get the chance to get in or out, you got to take it because you never know when when it's going to change.
2: Yeah, you know, Joe said, uh, you know, they knew it was going to, they knew they weren't getting back to get Christian during his flight home because he was, he said he was the third guy to come out that day, and I think the hit winds heavy enough that 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 uh, super cub was going all about forty miles an hour at one point. And it was like, yeah, this this is the end of the end of flying for the day.
1: Oh, yikes! So yes. it sounds like an amazing trip. Like that's going to be a tough. That's going to be a tough one to beat.
2: Oh yeah, I I can't imagine what's going to what's going to top that one on the list. Just you know, ex, just a crazy adventure, beautiful, dangerous place. Uh, you know, critters everywhere. Obviously, success always helps bolster things like that. But just amazing experience, great people to do it with. Uh, the outfit we were working with, absolutely spot on. You know, they Brad had told us, I'm going to get you three bears. And he did. I don't think he even he expected to be in three days, but we got we got three bears and it was just, you know, top notch from start to finish. I don't I don't don't know what I'm going to do one day. I hope I do something one day that's on that level. But we'll have to see.
1: That's awesome. It's always great to hear that after after trips, too. So what do you do? Is your schedule semi set for 2024? What do you have planned?
2: You know it's it's been a little loose uh, so far. we haven't uh, normally by now I've got some more stuff kind of figured out, but we you know there's been some forecasting and things like that figuring out what we're going to want to do and also waiting to hear a word of some of our new products because obviously I've done a lot of these events around new products yep. and things like that. but yep. uh, do have uh, looking at probably South Africa um, over the summer. Just that's that's always a good uh, kind of uh, high volume opportunity. Test some new stuff out. Yep. And we've got we've got some partners that that want to get over there that might be rolling out some, some new stuff on the bullet side, and that that is a good place to test your bullets. Um, you know, probably probably going to be looking for you know get back into the, some some more domestic uh, lower forty eight big game come the fall. So if you've got a good spot for big old elk or big mule deer, you have to let me know.
1: We'll do for sure. We'll do for sure. We've definitely got some of those. Yeah. Yeah,
2: you know, every every now and then you got to I got to remember that you know the, the lower forty eight's got some really neat hunting opportunities.
1: It does. It has. It has some amazing. ones. you know I never asked before. Are you you're submitting it for our tags program, right?
2: Uh, I have not been using the tags it, program. I have to get on that.
1: If not, I, I will. I'm making a note right now for the guys to reach out for you. We got to get you get you into that one. Um, and once you start playing that game, you can draw some pretty pretty amazing tags every year that just open it up even farther.
2: Yeah, I will. I will have to get into that right away and kind of get rolling with that. That'd be that'd be fantastic. Thank you.
1: Yeah, yeah, no problem. So I know, I know because Shot Show is coming up here about a month away. So there's only so many things that you can say. What are some of the is? Are there any new products that you can talk about? If not, what are some of the ones that you rolled out this past year that you've seen and and now you've started to hear customer feedback and things like that?
2: <laughs> Welcome, Shot Show. Uh, two of our biggest releases. Uh, we've got we've got one coming in the rifle scope line. I, ca- I can't get into too many details beyond yeah, yeah. that, but we're we're really excited about it. It's a whole new family of rifle scopes. And then on uh, the observation side, we're doing some more stuff with our binocular lines um, that I think people are going to be very very excited about. And as we get later into the year, uh, you're, you're probably also going to see some stuff from us in the rangefinder field and the red dot field. So it's it's going to be a very very big year for uh, for product launches. So then stuff from this past year we, we've talked about the bx4 range hd a lot i'd encourage folks to to go bluepult.com and check that out whenever they get a chance you know we've got them in inventory they're on shelves across the country for 1600 bucks retail you're getting a system uh that will compete with stuff that, that costs twice that you know three thousand mm-hmm. thirty two hundred bucks it is easily playing up on that level and one thing we're really excited about with the bx4 range is uh you know obviously anytime you throw a rangefinder in a bino you're going to you know you're going to hurt the optical clarity a little bit just because you got to put that screen up there that yep. you're know, filtering right so you can see the range finding numbers in the display but we, we spent a lot of time with the bX4 range and as a result uh, you, it doesn't have like that blue or gray outline that a lot of our competitors kind of uh, range-finding binos in that price class will right you, you pick up some of our some competitive product and you know it, it looks okay you're going to be able to tell that it's a range-finding bino and that there's just display there and with ours you just don't it's crystal clear looks fantastic so i you know like i said i'd encourage folks to get to the store uh go to wherever you you do your shopping they, they should have them on the shelves ask to see one and, and kind of see what i'm talking about there but just crystal clear and uh great optical performance so we're super excited about that
1: yeah it's such a great product that's I literally, I've, there's so many great binos that you guys have, but I've just found myself going to that one just because it's the two for one, and and the clarity is so good that it gets me through it everywhere I go. Um, it's tough for me to bring some of the other stuff along just because you can have one piece that that kind of covers everything.
2: Oh yeah, once once you strap a rangefinder bino on your chest, you you kind of start to wonder how did I how did, even though even though a rangefinder is so small and so light, you're kind of like how did I how did I carry that thing around for so many years? Um, but you know, the other at the end the other big thing, right? Even even the best handheld rangefinder, you know, it doesn't have any kind of optical performance compared to a binocular, right? Yep. You're getting maybe six six power, seven power, and you know, very small field of view. So especially if you're you're say you're looking at a bear, an elk or field deer, whatever, if you're going back and forth from your 10, your ten, twelve power binos to this little seven power range monocular with with no real optical performance, it's it's tough, right? Especially yep. if it's at a long distance. And if you can just stay on it with your range finder binos, you're not going to miss it when it moves. You're not going to lose it in you know, thick brush. It's just a lot easier.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I've actually, uh, when I got back from Kentucky, I opened up a box here and I've got one of those range finders that you were mentioning um, as part of the the test crew here. So I'm excited to get that thing set up and, and get in the field and start using that and provide some feedback as well.
2: Oh yeah. I think you'll be, you'll be really excited about that. We're, we're excited to eventually bring uh, that new one to market. Uh, yeah please do let us know uh, yeah, yeah. We, we have seen some really neat stuff with it but the reason we get it to guys like you is because you are out in the field you're a, one of the the very best subject matter experts so, so you let us know if uh if it's treating you right we'll do for sure we'll do for sure
1: one of the things i forgot to mention earlier because i know um Leupold has a lot of job offerings where for people that are listening for anybody that's interested um just to get to, to know your company more and possibly put in for some of those openings where's the best spot for them to look at
2: so yeah um you know loophole.com has uh, just a kind of a wealth of, yeah. of information on both the company the family everything you could want to know um you know it'll leak you out to our YouTube page where you can kind of really do a deep dive both their our products our culture the whole deal and you're right we're, we're always we're essentially always hiring we've been we've been hiring every day since i've I've started at loophole usually 10 to 15 different positions across the spectrum uh we you know we've got optical engineers electrical engineers marketing sales product uh assembly machining the the whole nine yards so you know no matter what your skill set is we're we're probably hiring a position that that suits it so yeah just loophole.com we've got a career page on the careers page on the website our hr department's got a ton of great intel there so just if if folks want to know want to know more about us and want to come join the family, then uh, they are welcome to check us out.
1: And you, uh, the culture is so big, um, with Leupold. You can see it when I, when I've toured through the facility, every time I talk to you or Bruce or anybody on the team over there, right? Like it's, it's, you live and breathe it. Um, the culture the history and the team that you guys have together. And I, I told Bruce this, um, off to the side one time when we were in Oregon and I never, I don't think I ever told you, um, I had left my optics category open for the longest time, and had had conversations with other companies. And it just didn't fit, right? It wasn't what I used when I grew up. It wasn't, it just wasn't the right fit for whatever reason. And I left it open because I was hoping for the call from Leupold, and it finally came. And I was like a kid in a candy store to come out and meet, right? Like this is the one I'd been waiting six years for um just for everything to work out on both sides that you could come together and this was the one that I could finally I could get behind the products that that I use in the fields are one that I would use if I wasn't in the hunting industry and this is the same thing right like great products by a great company and a great team so when it finally aligned that we could work together it was just I mean it made all that waiting worth it
2: No that, that is fantastic here we we greatly appreciate that and and yeah, you know, the the, the family values and just kind of the, the lifestyle values we have here are, are shared by nearly the whole team. Now, there are 750 of us. Not everybody in the building is a hunter or shooter, but we've got an, a lot of folks that are very like-minded and love what we do and love this stuff. And, you know, Bruce has been an incredible part of kind of enhancing that culture, right? We're we are encouraged to go out and pursue this stuff on our own. We are encouraged to kind of embrace everything about the, the hunting, shooting, and outdoor industry. And it's it's been fantastic. And, Yeah. We've, we've got a team where everyone like our engineers, right? The folks with these, you know, within just incredible skills and, and and so much brain power, like they, they're going out and hunting too. They're, they're not just sitting in a lab working out optics. They're going out and killing stuff and and kind of seeing how everything works in the field and, and kind of learning every angle of it so they can just make it better and and just bring better products uh, and better experiences to our consumers. Yeah. No, that's awesome.
1: Well, I know I'll see, I'll see you around on the old, uh, show circuit it's for, for you. It starts early in January and I can only imagine it probably goes to late February or early March. Oh yeah. Ready.
2: You know, I'll Dallas Safari club will be my first one. And then yes, yeah, at some point in March or April, I'll, I'll surface again. And and remember what my apartment and my dog looked like, but. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
1: Well, perfect. Sean, thanks so much for your time today. I always love hearing successful hunts that one, uh, Listen, three Grizzlies in three days, that's that's going to be a darn tough one to beat.
2: No, I, I agree, and, you know, thank you for having me on, and, and hey, you know, make sure the whole team knows how appreciative I am, and like I said, it, it took years to put this on together, and I'd still be looking if it, if it weren't for you guys, so i greatly appreciate that.
1: Yep, no problem, and Jason on my side, Jason Berger, um, he lines up a lot of my trips. I've got some amazing guys that work specially, but Jason does a lot of my my stuff for everything I do, and and... The one thing with Jason, when he tells you something, especially like that, to where you say, I got the trip for you, he 100% means it. He's he's not coming to you unless he knows he's got all the details worked out for it.
2: Yeah, no, he, he is treated as fantastic, and I'm probably going to give him a call. I know I'll be seeing him in person here in a few weeks, but I have not checked him with him a little bit just to say hello and uh, see if he's got any any, any hotlets for me, so I'll have to do that.
1: Well, perfect. That'll be a good one, and and I'm going to probably have Eric Shell from my team reach out, and we're going to get you set up for tags as well. Perfect. Perfect. Well, have a great day, Sean. You too, Mark. Yep. Bye. Thanks for all your support and downloads. If you like this episode, please go and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, as that always helps. Do you want to book that hunt of a lifetime? Then give the team at Worldwide Trophy Adventures a call at 1-800-346-8747. Or if you want to start a tags portfolio for those limited entry tags, call 1-800-755-8247. Enjoy your journey.